Thank you for pulling into the Hope Station. I am your host, Diane Bells. The Hope Station is a place to hear amazing interviews, great transformational stories, and learn about the power of faith and hope to change your life. A podcast that proves living purposefully is possible. Are you ready for your own transformational story? Do you want to turn a new chapter in your life or career? There's hope. Schedule a free consult call with me to stop feeling hopeless and gain the hope you need to have the life you deserve. Information of how to schedule that appointment is in the show notes. You can also connect with me through my website, Diane Bells, uh, D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z.com. Are you ready for another great interview? Hello and welcome to the Hope Station podcast. I am your host, Diane Bells, and today my guest is Kat Mullen. Kat is a master LLP, NLP breakthrough coach who has a heart for families and has recently published her book, Raising Badass Humans. So that title makes me laugh. And uh, the other part that I love about it is that Kat is going to give us some tips on what that would take. So Kat, thank you so much for joining me today. And two things I'd like to know, because not everyone knows what an NLP coach is. So if you could explain that, and then we'll talk about this wonderful book that you wrote. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Neuro being the brain, linguistic being your language, and programming being what has been programmed into us. So it's really about communication styles and how we process, because everybody's brain will process different language differently. Mm -hmm. Words mean different things to different people. Yes. And it it's really fascinating how we learn about the filters. Like, so we take in at any given moment, we're taking in around 11 million bits of information at once is happening around us, but we can't consciously process that all. We are unconsciously, but consciously we're mm -hmm. only processing about 126 bits out of okay. those 11 million. So that's why so many people can be in the same place at the same time and have such different experiences because we filter out all the information around us based off our past experiences and um, our programming, our mm -hmm. belief system, and our values. Okay. So really a fascinating field. It, it sound, and I love the, the whole art of communication and our different styles and how yeah. we, we do things because it, sometimes it feels like there's we're having some uh, parallel type communication. We're not yeah. actually having an intersection somewhere. So I appreciate that. Did that in some way lead you to write this book, Raising Badass Humans, or is it just something that it's an addition to this book? Um, it, it led me there in that the reason I became an NLP coach was because at the time my own family was kind of falling apart. Okay. And I, I wasn't the mom I thought I was going to be. It had taken me years to um, have children. And when I finally did, I was like, I've been wanting these babies forever and I'm just going to love on them and life is going to be amazing. 
And then all my programming came back. I had literally thought I, I had a lot of anger management issues as a child. Right. And in my 20s, I moved away from my family, clear across country, started my own life, was like, I'm just going to be who I want to be. And I was like, this is great. I'm happy. And then I had my kids and all that old programming came back. The way I was raised, I found myself being that kind of mom. And I was like, what is wrong? Why am I screaming at these little tiny babies? Which broke my heart. So bad. <laughs> um, and as they started to get a little bit older, I started seeing that they were displaying anger management issues, depression, um, people pleasing, all the things their dad and I both had that we hadn't properly dealt with. So what age were they when you started seeing? At the time I started really noticing it, my oldest was six and then I had a three-year-old and an infant. And I just couldn't believe what was happening because I was like, you know, everybody says I will never be my mom or I will never, you know, parent right. like my parent did. And it's so ingrained at an unconscious level that it just happens without us even being aware. It comes out and you're like, where did that come from? So I started learning about generational patterns, which is the patterns that are handed down to us, the belief systems that are handed down to us, like money is evil or, you know, stuff like that, where you don't even know where your beliefs started coming from. They've just been passed down through these generations and you can change those cycles. And I heard about NLP and that's a very good way of changing your thought process because NLP gets to the unconscious level right? where the changes need to be made. Because when you just tell yourself you're going to change your behavior on a conscious level, you go right back into your old patterns within a couple of weeks. But if you can change them at the unconscious level and reprogram the way you think and the way you communicate, that's when the real lasting changes happen. I I believe that because I've been living it. <laughs> when we find out where there's beliefs, those thoughts that get so buried in our head, yeah, create these stories that we're not yes. even aware of. So that's part of what I'm doing. I'm like, if you change your yeah. story, you can change your life. So one hundred old story from your own family of yes. how to raise children. And then you decided to write this new story. And that new story was, I'm going to be raising myself some bad ass units. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say that word. And I've said it like 15 times already. <laughs> I apologize. Would it help if I tell you what badass means to me? Because yes. like I said, different words have different meanings. And I know a lot of people do associate um, a negative meaning with badass. For me, a badass human is somebody who lives their truth without fear of judgment from others. Well, that's pretty amazing if you're able to, to raise children to do that. So tell us a little bit about this book. Where sure. it started? What are some really great tips that you can give? Because I think most of us want to see that, you know, that there, that there are children aren't so subject to the culture, to, as you said, these programmings and the programming right. coming from everywhere. Oh, and yeah. So much more. When I grew up, we had three channels, right? We had <laughs> ABC, NBC, CBS. And now yeah. the amount of letters are incredible. Oh. Plus you have social media. 
Plus you have all these, you know, before we, we had the choice of the radio or we bought a record, we were making more conscious choices because we had limited choices. We're now just right. outpouring of messages that are being, as you said, implanted or programmed into our brain. Absolutely. And, you know, it starts at home with the family, but it comes from society. It comes from church. It comes from school. It, it's all over the place. Everywhere you turn, your friends, yes. you build belief systems. So the full title of the book is Raising Badass Humans, 14 Intentional Connections That Nurture Your Child's Emotional Intelligence and Sense of self, Self-Worth. Wow. Okay. And to me, emotional intelligence is the most important thing to, to teach our children. Right. I've and been teaching adults <laughs> Well, we Not need like to learn it nice if someone would have taught them. <laughs> exactly. I had to start learning it so I could teach it to my children because right. I did not have emotional intelligence. You know, we're taught math and science and, and history and all of that, but nobody goes into the science of the brain and how it works and and how emotions affect you. Right. And that we are not our emotions. We are so labeled that if we act out in anger, we're forever an angry person. As you called yourself, you said you had anger management issues. So how are exactly. you labeling Kat at this point with your journey? What was that? I'm sorry. You said you, you labeled yourself before that you had anger management issues. What are you labeling yourself now as? Now I am somebody who chooses to pause and respond. Okay. Over and I'm not saying I'm 100% perfect at it. You know the patterns hey. always come. There are moments where I snap, but where the emotional intelligence comes in is being able to, if I didn't catch myself in the moment and be able to pause and respond. Once I start snapping, I can catch myself a lot easier and be like, "Oh, I'm reacting. This is not good." Then I can pause and then I can go to my child and be like, "I am so sorry. My reaction was not okay." Let's try this again. Let me tell you, you know, let's talk about it calmly and effectively. So you're, you're, you're apologizing, number one, which is so contrary yeah. to, you know, I don't remember my parents ever apologizing for anything. Yep. And if they did, it was like years later in some right. sort of covert like message, like, man, I screwed up on that. But <laughs> uh, just the apology that I may make mistakes, you make mistakes. I lose your temper, you use, lose your temper. Let's do this differently. So how are you helping families to do this? What are some things that your book and your uh, coaching is working to help them learn new ways? So my book is broken up into four sections. The first section is quality time. Okay. I'm a big component of what I call dating your kids, where especially if you have multiple kids, it is so important to spend one-on-one -on -one time with them. Take them out on a little date. It doesn't have to cost anything. You can take them on a hike. You can take them for a picnic. Just spend a couple of hours, just the two of you. And the key really is to make it all about them. Let them choose the activity. Okay. You know, you may be limited on funds or something. So you may have to say, these are like three activities you can choose from, but let them always have the choice. So they know that they matter and they have a voice 
and that you're interested in what they like and what they do and that you, you like them for who they are. So we, we try and do it monthly. We don't make it every single month, depending on how crazy the month is, of course. But we try and monthly give each kid one date where me and the child go out, just the two of us. They, they really open up and will talk to you about things that they wouldn't normally when all the chaos at home where everybody's running around, it wouldn't be able to come out. Well, when you're saying you want them to feel like they have a voice and they matter. Yes. Why is that important for them to know that at a very young age? The younger they feel that they have a voice, the more they will stand up for themselves as they get older. They'll be able to set boundaries. They'll know who they are and what they like and what they don't like. And if you allow them to make choices, to set boundaries, even with you, they'll be able to do it so much easier. I was never given a voice. I was told how to feel, how to think, what was right and wrong, even though it was just somebody else's opinion. They told it to me as if that was fact. And if I didn't feel the same way they did, I felt stupid. Mm. And I felt, I just never really felt like I mattered. So to me, it's so important to let my kids know very young how much they matter and that their voice matters. And even like if we have a family decision to make, we sit down and we get everybody's opinions. Obviously, we can't always do what everybody wants because they may have varying opinions. I do my absolute best to make sure they know that they're even if we didn't end up going with what they wanted, that their opinion did matter and was weighed in. And I like that. And that's, you know, as a leader, which a parent Mm -hmm. is, I would do that with my teen. And I say that I always did that with my children, or even if I thought to do that with my children, because Mm -hmm. I had that all like, do as I say, this is the way things are going to happen. And, you know, you're, you're just looking and saying, okay, you're, you're teaching them, as you said, that their voice doesn't matter. Their opinions don't matter. We're not allowed to right. have an opinion. And not that my children don't have opinions. Trust me, they have lots of <laughs> but, um, And they're able to, to voice them, you know, as, as you mature right. and realize, like, you know, I'm, I'm not the only intelligent being here. And I look right. at my grandchildren, my two granddaughters said, I take their advice. <laughs> They're telling me things that I'm like, well, I think I need to get that fixed. I didn't realize it was such a problem and not being upset with them, but really sort of thanking them. And you don't want them to be pompous about their opinion either. So, you know, you need to exactly. balance. But I love the idea of dating. And I did this differently. I'd actually take my two sons out and my nephew out on dates on Thursday nights. But we, you know, just getting away. And now mm-hmm. I love one-on-one time with my, with my granddaughters, you know, that was my husband and I dated for 44 years until oh, he passed. So it was, that was, I know it was essential to have that one-on-one time. Not with a bunch of any relationship. You can't build intimacy in a group. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's a simple tip. And I love it. Uh, well, there's a couple tips you've given there, you know, the dating, but also letting them have a voice and opinion about what you're going to do and involving them in family matters, because it will matter to them in the end. 
Love it. What else? So like I said, the book really focuses on emotional intelligence. And so I have a whole section called Embrace Emotions, which is something I was never taught. Um, you know, I would get angry and I would just be punished for it. You know, like I was never sat down and been like, well, why, do, why are you feeling angry? What is bringing this up? Because usually now we know sadness is usually under there or embarrassment or there's always an underlying emotion. Right. And if you can get to that emotion and then help them process that emotion, the next time it comes around, they'll react less angry and less angry and less angry, you know, until they can right away be like, oh, I'm not really angry. I'm, I'm embarrassed or I'm, I'm really sad that this is going on over here and it's coming out now this way. I mean, like I said, I have the issues as well, but middle-aged men, especially right now, who were never allowed to feel their emotions, mm -hmm. it totally comes out in anger. You know, it, they, there's so many men dealing with anger management, depression, because they were never. To go on the other side, how are you seeing females act, you know, that they had to suppress their, we, you know, we were allowed different kinds of emotions. We were, we were allowed emotions, but it was still negative because we were still like, oh, only girls cry or, you know, it was. Girls were allowed to cry, but they also had to be people pleasers. They weren't allowed to have a voice. They weren't allowed to have opinions as well, much. How do you see that playing out in society now? So with the women, they're still really struggling with the people pleasing. I talked to a lot of women my age. I'm about to be 50. And we're still all learning how to set boundaries. <laughs> I had never even heard about boundaries. And, you know, so we, we let a lot of people walk all over us. And obviously this isn't everyone, but just in general. Right. And I, I um, yes. And I, I think it is just bringing awareness to some of the things that we're yeah. doing. And I love that you reframe it. We've been programmed a certain way to believe certain things about ourselves, about our behavior, what we should be thinking, what we should be feeling. And right. it's like a, that you need a time to pause and say, is this who I really want to be? Right. So is this my journey, I call myself the old Diane. And then there is this nice that I am purposely creating. Not, that sounds wrong because God, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I, maybe I am deprogramming or recreating, you know, mm -hmm. the person that I want to be. Absolutely. And not realizing all of this programming that, uh, as I said to my coach, I said, it's like, there's all this gunk in my pipes that has yes. stopped the flow from happening. And I, love I needed to do a major clean out of those right. to really move forward. So if we can just think if we can do that with children, you know, as you've been doing and helping other parents do that as well, that they're not going to have that same societal pressures. And yes. like we, we have to accept certain behaviors from other people or even certain behaviors from ourselves. Absolutely. Wow. That would be an amazing world to live in. Oh, it's my dream, Diane. <laughs> it is my dream. <laughs> and the more people we can start with, the better for sure.
Well, I mean, I a bit about what you mean by emotional intelligence. So give Kat's definition of that, because I know it can be very broad and it sounds so fluffy and I get so irritated right. at this to say these soft skills, these fluffy skills are the things that either make us productive, good human beings or not. <laughs> you know, like we need these. So we can, you know, have our children embrace them at a young age. Yeah, what a difference so it'll make. So what's the intelligence to you? So for me, it's about being able to be the awareness, the awareness of, you know, what emotion you're failing, or you can sit with yourself and, and ask yourself, where is this behavior coming from? Why am I acting out right now? Mm-hmm. Sit there. And, and when you can label your, your, sadness or your embarrassment or your disappointment, whatever it is. Um, And then you can allow yourself to fail it. We were not allowed to fail failings in in my household. And, you know, in in the people I speak with, so many were not allowed to fail failings. They were like, you shouldn't fail that way. That's ridiculous. Or you're overreacting or whatever it is, you know. Guilty of that. And so to be able to allow yourself to just sit with the emotion and be like, okay, I'm sad. You don't have to dwell on the story of it. Just I'm sad and allow it to pass. Or we have a list in our house of different ways to help deal with emotions, especially when we're really upset, you know, to allow it to pass through. You can scream into a pillow. One of my daughter's likes when she's angry she likes to draw angry faces until it passes through and she finds herself drawing happy faces and then she feels better and then she's calm and she can talk about why she got upset i love it so for you emotional intelligence is being able to name those feelings and then find a productive way to process through them so it doesn't take over and it doesn't take control. Yes, that's a great way to describe it. Thank you. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I love the example that you gave with your daughter. What are some other examples that you can give from your clients or from your family of how making this shift are really changing how you're reacting and responding and in relationship with your children has made an impact? So what, I like the before and then the after, what are, do you have any of those stories you could share? Absolutely. Um, I have so many stories where I'm just blown away by my kid's emotional intelligence, whether it be one time my daughter was acting out and, and then she was like, you know what? I'm just sad. And I was like, well, well, do you know why you're sad? And she wasn't sure. She was like, I don't know. I just feel the sadness. I'm like, it's okay not to know as long as you allow yourself to fail it. And after about five minutes, she came back to me and was like, mom, I'm sad because I, my friend's moving away. And that, you know, she, it was so amazing to watch her go from completely acting out, which seemed out of nowhere. So most people would be like, you have no right to be acting out right now. Nothing's happening in this exact moment, right? Why are you treating me badly? No, they might get punished for it, might get sent to their room, whatever it is and never get to the bottom of it. But through talking to her, she was able to realize, oh, I'm so sad my friend's moving away. 
And this is how it's coming out. And she's like 11 years old and being able to realize that. Well, I think too that mm -hmm. what, we can be confused by the feelings that we're having. So she sure. felt angry that her friend was moving. Right. You know, my grandkids were mad and they were angry when I was moving. So sure, you know, they, they can feel that. It's a loss and not knowing yeah. how to process that. But then giving her the space and time to say what's really going on. Try to mm -hmm. uncover it. And giving her that that responsibility to figure it out rather than you trying to tell her how she should be feeling. That's a exactly, exactly. So my biggest wish for my kids is that they're comfortable in their own skin. They don't give in to peer pressure. And I'm not saying they're never going to, but they will and they'll learn from it. However, they'll be a lot less likely to give in to peer pressure if they feel comfortable in their own skin and they know how to speak up for themselves. They're in touch with their own failings. Because I wasn't in touch with my own, I just kind of went along with what everybody else was doing. And so my biggest wish for them is that they do what they want to do, not what the crowd is doing. Okay. And I have to be that example for them. So if you don't mind me sharing a story of the time I crashed my daughter's birthday party, I, I would love to love to give you. So you were invited was... to your own daughter's birthday party. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I want to hear this story. I was invited, however, I was not supposed to be inviting other people, and I did because I wanted them to grow up to be comfortable in their skin and do things as they want to do them, not how society tells them. However, I hadn't done the inner work yet. And when my daughter was planning her sixth birthday party, we were sitting down together to figure out what we were going to do. And we were having it at a local park. And she was like, okay. And she gave me this list of like maybe five people. And she was like, this is who I want to invite. And I was still very much a people pleaser. I had not worked through this yet. I did not want her to be a people pleaser, yet here I was not being able to get over it myself. And I didn't even see what I was doing. And I was like, oh, honey, we're having it at a park. We can invite a lot more people. And she's like, no, I just want these people here. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, you've been invited to so many birthday parties this year with your class. You really should invite your own class. And I'm telling her what she should do, which is exactly how I didn't want to raise her. But um, I, I found myself just like, no, you should. And then I had all, all of my friends that had kids and I'm like, we'll just invite everyone. And she's like, mom, I really just want these people here. And somehow I couldn't see it. I didn't ask her why. I just was like, I shut myself off to it because it suited me because I did not want to feel embarrassed or offend anyone. I didn't want to be that person. It was like, oh, she couldn't invite us to her daughter's party. So I put all her emotional needs aside, didn't realize at the time I was doing it. And, and I invited all my friends and all her classmates. And the day of the party came and we're setting up, people start showing up and she was getting more upset and more upset. Somebody would show up from her class and she'd look at me and go, you invited them too? And I'm like, of course I did, sweetie. It's the right thing to do, quote unquote, because that's how I was conditioned. <laughs> to always do the right thing according to somebody else's idea of what was right. <laughs> and then one of my girlfriends 
came and when she was leaving, she's like, so I just said goodbye to Sammy and I thanked her for inviting us. And, and she said, I didn't, my mom did. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's true. <laughs> so the thing about it was I, after the party, she had a good time during part, you know, she, she had fun, but she would not let it go. Also, what happened during the party was at cake time, because we're at this local park, there's other kids there, you know, plenty of people enjoying the facilities that weren't part of our group. But this little girl came over, saw the cake, got excited. She was probably like three and was like, can I have a piece, please? And right away, I was like, of course you can, honey. And I hand her a piece and my daughter gets even more mad. And I'm like, now what? And she's like, well, it's my party and my cake. And you didn't even let me like have a say in it. You just answered for me if she could have a piece. And I was like, well, Sammy, I know you're a kind person. You'd give her a piece. What's the problem? She's like, the problem is you didn't let me decide. And I shut her off. And Diane, this went on for three and a half years. <gasps> three and a half years, at least every other month, this birthday party came up. And she would, she'd just start with, in my mind, was attitude. Remember that birthday party where you gave that girl a piece of my cake? And I'm like, yes, Sammy, I remember. Do we really have to go over this again? And I'd shut her down every single time where she'd be like, remember how I only wanted to invite a few people? And I would not listen to her every time because I had negative feelings towards it. I was feeling attacked by her. I was feeling like she was telling me I did something wrong. So every time I shut her down and was like, I'm not talking about this again. This is ridiculous. It was two and a half years ago, three years ago, now three and a half years ago. Just let it go. And she couldn't let it go. It would still come up all the time. So I had a life coach that I was seeing. And one day I brought it up to her and I said, God, she just can't let it go. She only focuses on the negative. And my life coach was like, well, of course. And I'm like, what do you mean, of course? And she goes, you never let her get through the negative. So she can focus on the positive things. And I was like, well, why would I want to talk about the negative? Like, I want my kids to be poly positive, you know, and only focus on positive things. And she's like, that's not realistic. And you're not allowing her to have her feelings on it. And she's trying not to bury and bury those feelings. She's trying to get them out, but you keep shutting her down. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. So the next time maybe about two weeks after that call with my coach, it, it came up again. And she's like, remember my birthday party? And I was like, yeah, I do remember. Why don't we talk about that? Which totally threw her off because she's so used to me shutting her down. And she was like, well, Diane, I was blown away by the emotional intelligence this girl had when she was only five, just turning six. And I had never allowed her to express it at the time. And I was like, why are you so angry at me about this party? And she's like, well, you know, first of all, the girl with the cake. And I was like, yeah, you would have given her a piece. She goes, I know I would have, but you didn't give me the chance. I was like, okay. But why are you so angry that I invited your friends? Like, these were all people you knew from your class and you grew up with my friend's kids. And her emotional intelligence just blew me away I was like in tears and I was so upset with myself for all these years for not having allowed her to do things her way because she said to me mom 
yeah, I had gone to everybody else's birthday parties who invited the whole class. And there were so many kids there, they could, they had no time for me. I wanted only a few kids there so I could give them my personal attention and let them know that I was grateful that they came to my party. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. And I have like goosebumps right now. I, I just sat there <laughs> looking at her going, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, mom, I didn't want anybody to feel left out. Like I felt left out at the other parties. And I was in tears and I was like, I am so sorry. I should have listened to you. 100% you should have only invited who you wanted to invite, no matter what your reasons were. But your reason, wow, that is incredible. And I promise to always listen to you from now on. And since then, we can talk about that party and have great conversations about it. She can talk about the things that were really positive and she had fun. She didn't have another birthday party until she was 11. We just did things together as a family. And when she was 11, we had another party at a park. She invited only a handful of people, which I completely respected. <laughs> and this was during COVID times, though. So only like half of the people she invited could show up. So while we're setting up, she says to me, Mom, I'm sad that, you know, some of my friends I invited couldn't make it. And here I go right into poly positive mode out of, you know, my pattern came through again. And I'm like, oh, honey, be happy for the people who can come and think about that instead. And she was like, mom, mom, <laughs> I am choosing to feel the sadness right now. And then as the people who can come show up, I will choose to be happy with them. And I was like, oh, my goodness, there you go. Turning my lessons right back around on me. I, know. I love so what they do <laughs> I love it. I love it. It stops me in my track every time. And I'm like, you're right. That is how I teach you. And then here I am just not even doing it myself. But it's that, it's uh, incredible to watch that. Well, it's a powerful story in so many different ways. Because even as parents who say their kids were not invited to the party, just right. we need to be okay with that people are allowed to have uh, their party <laughs> there are ways we feel like everyone has to do this where 25 kids show up exactly. and i'm right there with sammy i don't like big parties i feel like you never get a chance to have a real conversation with people it's all surface level like what's new how's the weather and I, I, that does nothing for me. That That is like a waste of, of time. And when you can just, you know, I don't know if it's that introvert part of me or that person who loves to get, have deep, meaningful conversations. Like, we're not, <laughs> you know, so I get exactly what she's saying, but other people who are more extroverted and mm -hmm. want to take parties and they like the energy and all of this, it's like, they get to choose, but Absolutely. it's just allowing your daughter to make those decisions and knowing that there might be some pushback. That's another lesson that we have to learn. You know, there's Absolutely. consequences to our choices. People might not invite her to parties, but that's a lesson she needs to learn rather trying to predict the future. If you exactly. do this, then this will happen and we could be absolutely wrong. And Sammy right. was right in her decisions. 
because of what she wanted her birthday to be all about. I love that. That reminds it. The way you just said that is so perfect because I have witnessed parents who really force their kids to dress a certain way or do things a certain way so they don't get made fun of. So their, their intention is good. They're trying to protect their child. I don't want my child to be made fun of if they wear that outfit that they like they might get made fun of at school. Like my son went through a phase where he wore leggings all the time because he was all about how comfortable things are. And that was really hard for a lot of my family members to wrap their head around. Like, how could you let him wear those? He's going to get made fun of. He'll be bullied. And, And like you just said, you can't predict the future. I think in all the time he went through the phase of wearing leggings, I, I personally, I don't know what happened behind my back or whatever. I only purpose, um, personally saw somebody kind of giggling at him once and he didn't even notice it and went about his own way. But I was like, he's comfortable in it and he needs to know that I support who he is. No matter what, because if I'm already telling him, no, who you really are is not going to be okay in the real world. You have to pretend to be something different, wear clothes that are in style for boys or whatever it is, and then go, go to school like that. And then it just gives them the sense of you don't accept me for who I am. Even though the parent's intention is I'm afraid other people won't accept you for who you are, but they'll decide on their own. If they go to school and and they're getting bullied, they'll decide on their own. Is this worth changing how I dress for or whatever it is they're being made fun of? Or can I stand up to these people and say, I'll dress however I want. My, my mom loves me no matter what. <laughs> well, and, and that's a great lesson because we're going to get pushed back all the time. All the time. You can't and, protect and them. If, and, if and what happens is I think we, we've sort of reprogrammed people that everyone has to be nice because someone might be upset and saying, wait a minute. That you, we can't change the world because on any given minute, like you said, our emotions can vary. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm I'm okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. And to, to think that someone can predict the response that we might have about something that we're saying genuinely, I'm saying it couldn't even be a complaint or trying to bully them, but just have an opinion and go, you can't say that. You're hurting my feelings. Or to say, well. Right. You know, life is about other people choosing, as you said, their truth, their path, what they want to wear, what they want to say. And part of it is just, I think when we're okay with ourselves, we're okay with other people being themselves. (laughs) Absolutely. And you get more okay with people not liking who you are. I'm okay. Okay, well, not for you. No problem. (laughs) Not everyone has to like me. And, and that that helps us in every decision that we make. If we're making a decision about our, the partners, about our friends, about the type of activities we embrace and enjoy about our careers and such, where we have so many people that are so unbalanced and part of it is because they haven't made choices that were the best choices for them. They're living someone else's, I'm going to call it story of who they should be and not creating or writing their own. So I have, I always say it all starts with you. And I use you as an acronym. 
with you being you, you first, the why is for you. And you always have to come first. It has to align with your truth before it doesn't matter. The next, the O is for others. Okay. If it's good for me, then I can decide if it's good for others before I do it. So before you make any decision, is it good for me first? Because if it's not, and you're just doing it for others, resentment's going to build. It's going to damage the relationship in the long run anyway, people pleasing. So always you first, then others, then universal good. And if it can check all those boxes, it's a good decision. <laughs> right. And it, it yes, it, we, we need some sort of way for them to make healthy decisions. And that seems to be a simple one. So any other suggestions or you have four sections? I think we went through two. Is there anything else you'd like? to share. You've given so much already. I feel really <laughs> I've really touched on the other two through the conversations. Um, a huge one is to say no to labeling your kids. Okay. Because children believe what you tell them. So if you tell them you're bad, they're going to act bad because that's what's expected of them. My middle child, Sydney, she went to preschool and she was labeled shy. And we hadn't noticed that she did have a hard time initiating conversations or play with other children because she was always around Sammy who was very extroverted. And so she was just always with Sammy. So we didn't see, we were like, Oh, she's extroverted too. Great. But once she was in preschool away from Sammy to be her buffer and introduce her to people, she didn't say a word. And so she got labeled as shy and we continued that label. We'd go out in public. We'd be like, oh, she's shy. Don't, you know, we'd order her food for her at the restaurant because she was shy. People would say, oh, come up and, you know, adults would be like, hi, what are your names? And Sammy right away would be like, I'm Sammy. This is Sydney and not because she's shy. So we have to answer for her. And it wasn't until I read about labeling kids and, and did some research on it that I was like, oh, my gosh, we're making it worse. We keep telling her she's shy. So the next thing I know, she's hiding behind me. She didn't used to do that. Right. And so we stopped calling her shy and we started more of, would you like to order your food today? Would you like to tell the waitress what you'd like? And usually she'd be like, could you do it? And then eventually she'd be like, yeah, I want to do it. And then eventually she told Sammy, hey, from now on, when people want to know our names, can you let me say my own? And now she totally initiates conversations and is much more extroverted than still not as much as Sammy, but she's more herself. Right. And see, I labeled Sammy introverted by the story of wanting to have a smaller party. Right. And you know how easy it is just to put the labels on. But exactly. even those labels they they come almost easily and we don't realize yeah. that we're you're so smart you're so this you're so that mm -hmm. we're either celebrating them or negating them exactly and one of them is a good thing because we're yeah. talking who we think they are that uh you can see that it travels throughout and this is part of when i'm coaching with my clients is to say just because someone says that you're good in something that they want you to be good at doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's true for you maybe right. it doesn't feel good but they like it because it's good for them and that that can be right. a variety of different things so teaching them their value listening to them about what they want 
giving them an opportunity to process those feelings. How has that changed your family dynamics? It has really allowed them to be more of themselves and, and to understand that they're human because you touched on, even if you're calling them smart or a positive label, that's still telling them who they should be. I used to tell Sammy all the time that she's a kind person because she has a huge heart. She has a heart of service and loves to help others. So I was constantly telling her, you're kind, you're kind. However, she's human and she has a range of emotions. So when she would get angry and act out, the guilt she put on herself after that because she acted out of character and was not her kind self because I put so much pressure unknowingly on her to always be kind. So we've had to have long conversations about how you're human. You're allowed to have other emotions. You're allowed to not always be on and being the person you think that you should be and people pleasing. You absolutely can stand up for yourself and, and express when you're upset. And so just overall, it's giving all of all of us more permission to just be human, understand that we all make mistakes, understand we all have a full range of emotions, and it's okay. And that does bring peace, even though it might not feel like peace, but when we're constantly in conflict about how someone else should feel, how they should dress, how they should think, what they should eat, what they should do, that you can see so many battles that children are having is because mm-hmm. doing something to them that they don't want done to them any longer. And they exactly. don't know how to, they don't have the authority. They don't have the ability. They don't have the wherewithal, the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they make other choices. They're stuck with us, right? Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I This was Thank you. I, I, I needed to hear this. I really did. And just, you, you know, I, w- I wish I could go back in time and saying, what did, what did I do? But I think the other thing too, as you say, you've done, you, you know, you've done things that maybe weren't in the best interest of your children at the Absolutely. time, but what you know now, instead of sort of bashing yourself or beating yourself up about it, you're moving forward and then yeah. saying, you know, I know how you are. I know how you felt. This is what I've done. And this is the positive outcomes that I'm seeing in my children. And sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Yes. <laughs> so we can get to the better way. Absolutely. Well, good. Any last tips or anything else you want to say to the listeners to give them some support? I would love to offer your listeners a free gift. I have created a 30-day self-awareness journey because all of this, whether it be about parenting or not, self-awareness is the first step to creating self-acceptance and self-love, taking responsibility for your life. It in no way is about blaming yourself, like you said, like, yes, I know I've done things that have, quote unquote, messed up my kids. I am not going to dwell on that. It's all about awareness and acceptance and finding a new way to move forward. Right. And so this 30-day self-awareness journal is a lot of deep questions that you you can really ponder to understand yourself better, to know how you want to move forward in life. 
So is this for parents or could say a teenager use? A teenager can use it. This can be for anybody. Okay. Perfect. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm and they can get that. They can they can get that at freegiftfromcat.com. Cat well, I will put that in the show notes so that they Thank can you. grab that. And also, uh, if you want to send the link to your book. But this has Absolutely. been a beautiful conversation. And I really thank you for your time. Thank you so much, insights, And actually for you stepping out and being, you know, telling us the truth about how hard it is to be a parent. <laughs> it is. It really and is. There might be an easier way to get the type of human beings that we want. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank right. you so much. Welcome. Thank you so much for pulling into the Hope Station. Wasn't that a great episode? My hope is that this episode brought you hope. Do you want to be a hope giver? I hope so. And how you can do that is to share this podcast, post the episode on social media, write a review or rate the podcast. This helps engagement and boosts the podcast out to other listeners in need of hope. So thank you. Thank you for participating. Thank you for helping. Thank you for being a valued listener. And my hope is that you have a great week.